excited you're here today. My name is Mark, if we haven't met yet. This is Ocean's Church. Who's up for a God encounter? Anybody? We're here to have an uh, encounter with Jesus. We believe that God's not just to be studied, he's to be encountered. So many people settle for studying and never get to encounter. I could read all these books about Mel Gibson, but man, sitting down with lunch with old Mel, you learn a lot more about Mel at lunch than you probably would reading about him online. And I'm telling you, some of you today, you've studied God in seminary, in Christian school. Some of you have Christian moms and Christian grandmas, but you've never had a face-to-face encounter with God. And you know it because when you do, it's kind of like being on a honeymoon. You know you have. I've never met anybody that's like, have you been on a honeymoon? I'm like, I think so. If you have that, I would encourage you to go on another honeymoon. Can I get a good amen? I went on a honeymoon. You better believe it. I had a glow when I came back. I was a different man. Can I get an Amen. A nervous laugh. I'll take whatever I can get. But uh, I'm glad you're here today. My name is Mark, and uh, I do have a message I want to share with you this morning. Who was here last Sunday? Showing of hands. Last Sunday, if you were here, we started a brand new series called Ending Droughts. I believe prophetically, this is a series that God put on our hearts. I don't always do series like this, but I had this just picture. You know, they say that California is obviously still in drought to some capacity. But in large, the reason why we're in drought is not the lack of rain, it's the lack of reservoirs. It's the ability to capture the rain that's causing the drought. And I believe spiritually we're in a similar climate that it's not the, it's not the absence of God's spirit in California that's leading to wickedness. It's the absence of the ability of God's people to capture God's glory. Are you hearing me today? And so when God's people can capture God's presence, we can end droughts. We talked about last week, uh, if you missed it, you can go back and check it out. Acts chapter 28, God used one out of 276 sailors, got bit by a snake, by a fire that literally did not deny Jesus and die, but actually leaned in, shook the snake off, and led an entire island near Italy called Malta into a revival season. And I want to just tell you that God can change a lot of things quickly. God told me this. He goes, Mark, if the devil can make the world sick with COVID in one month, what could I do in one month? I believe that God can do things better than the devil can. Anybody else believe this? I believe that what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it around for good. And I got to remind the church, we're in a series. I'm just trying to get faith into your system. I believe that we're living kind of in a modern day Nineveh. We're living in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want you to know that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed because of how bad it was. It was destroyed because of the absence of good people. So if we can summon an alarm in God's church that this is not our hour to move out of state. This is our hour to stand our ground. This is not an hour to retreat. For what we run from now will find us in Idaho. It'll find us in Tennessee. This is the hour for the people of God to say this far and... No? No? Any faith in the tents today? Who believes that California is worth fighting for? Anybody believe? It's worth believing God to revive once again. So I have a message I want to share with you. The Lord put in my heart last night, and it's a story out out of the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah was the original chicken of the sea. Can I get an amen? They say, is he a minor prophet? Is he a major prophet? No, he was the missing prophet. And this guy was rebellious. He was defiant. He wanted nothing to do with his assignment. God asked him to love people that he wanted to hate. God sent him to his enemies. And sometimes before there's revival, you got to learn to love your enemies. You hearing me today? 
Some of you won't see revival in your family until you learn to love the people that are unlovable. When you have the love of Jesus, you'll see the heart of Jesus. Where the heart of Jesus is, the power of Jesus is. Every time Jesus had compassion, there was miracles that broke out. And that's what's going to happen this year in California. If you believe it, can I get a good amen? You guys ready to go today? I feel like I'm more excited to share this than you are to listen to it. You guys ready to go? All right. I mean, this is a good message for you today, man. God gave it to me. It's fresh out of the oven. You guys ready? I want you to go to Jonah chapter 3. If you don't know where Jonah's at, go to the table of uh, condemnation or co contents. <laughs> and uh, you can find out where the book of Jonah is. It's uh, before the New Testament. And uh, we're going to go to Jonah. He's, uh, he's a pretty amazing man. To be honest with you, I think sometimes we remember only the negative attributes of Jonah. But I'd like to point this out to you. If I was sending somebody, people, to reach an entire city, I'll be honest. If I was God, I would be like, there's 120,000 people in Nineveh. It's one of the greatest cities of that world at that time. It's about 45 miles from one, the start of the city to the end of the cities. You know what else is 45 miles? Orange County. It's 42 miles from the top of our county to San Clemente. You hear me today? So it says it took three days to walk from the start of Nineveh to the end of Nineveh. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God and I wanted to see revival in Orange County, I would not send one disgruntled prophet. If I was God, there's 120,000 people. Now, I'm not like a mathematician, but one per 120,000 seems a little bit, um, I don't know, underwhelming. I would send at least 300. I'd be like, we're going to send a couple football teams. I'm going to send an army of people to preach repentance. But I want to point this out to you because sometimes Jonah just gets thrown under the bus for what he wasn't. Let me remind you what he was. He was one guy that lit the greatest revival the earth has ever seen. In this regard, there has never been a move of God that swept 100% of the population in a city other than Nineveh. You guys ready to go? So if God can use a broken, disgruntled prophet who is having a bad hair day, it's a little bit funky, a little bit bipolar, at one point suicidal, and if God could use him to usher in the greatest move that Nineveh has ever seen, I think God could use some of us in Orange County today. Can I get an amen? All right. You guys ready to go? I'm excited for this. There's going to be a really special 40 days we're entering into, and I want you to write this down. This is the title of my message this morning. It sounds crazy. It's a bad, it's bad uh, grammar, but it's good theology. You ready? I want you to write this down. 40 days of everyone. 40 days of everyone. You ready? Jonah chapter 3, I'll explain what the title means. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Why did it say that? Because God asked him to do it before, and he ignored him the first time. Jonah chapter 1 is about a storm that Jonah caused. Jonah chapter 2 is about a fish that God prepared to swallow the rebellious preacher. Jonah chapter 3 is about the city that he preached in. And Jonah chapter 4 is about a conversation with the Lord in, in, a, in a theological conversation. You guys ready? So the word of the Lord came to Jonah after he got swallowed by a fish, after he went the opposite direction and went into a storm. And it says the second time God said, Arise, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach to it the message that I tell you. What message? The message that I tell you. I want you to write this down today. God has a unique message for every city. And God has a unique message he has for you to share with the city. You guys ready to go today? 
So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. It was a three-day journey in extent. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day walk. Then he cried out and he said, Yet 40 days from now and Nineveh shall be overturned. He thought when he said overturned they were going to be destroyed. The problem was he used the Hebrew word that also means converted. So he was saying it one way, and God's like, yeah, you're using the right word, but I'm going to do it differently than you thought. So the people of Nineveh, verse 5, man, one of my favorite verses in the Bible right now. So the people of Nineveh believed. It doesn't say some people. It doesn't say just the rich, just the poor, just the educated, just the ignorant. Notice what the author writes. Jonah writes, so the people all of them, of Nineveh, believed. Say it with me, everyone. Everyone in Nineveh believed God. Everyone proclaimed a fast. Everyone put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed all throughout Orange, no, from Nineveh. And he, by decree, he said this to the nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink water. You're not feeding Scooby. You're not feeding uh, Kirby, your kitty cat. You're not feeding your cow named Moose. You're not feeding your kids, your wife, your husband. We are in full pursuit of God's mercy. That's what he says. But let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry out mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn. Every one turn. I heard the Lord saying this is going to be 40 days of everyone turning from evil from violence who can tell verse 9 has so much faith laced in it who can tell if god will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish verse 10 so god saw their philosophy no god saw their thoughts no god saw their beliefs no god saw their what their actions their works we're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. But let the record state in an, in an era of time that everyone believes in God, but no one's changed by God. That when you really have an encounter with God, it'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change where you go and what you do. Can I get an amen? He saw their actions changed. They turned from their evil way. And God changed his mind. He relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Two more verses. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. He hated the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the great enemies of Israel. They killed Israelites. They hated the Jews. Jonah didn't want God to give them mercy. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, this is exactly why I didn't come to this country. This is exactly why I fled to Tarshish, for I know. I want you to pay attention to this word know. It's actually the Hebrew word yada. It means I intimately know you. I know you as a man knows his wife. The yada also is where we get sex from. It means to know someone at the highest level possible. He says, I knew 
that you're a God that's slow to anger, that you're gracious and merciful, that you're abundant in loving kindness, and you're one that relents from doing people harm. That's why I didn't want to come here. And he starts complaining because God's so good. That's what religion will do. Religion will get mad when God forgives people you want to judge. You guys ready to pray today? 40 days of everyone. You guys ready? Father, we love you. Speak to us today. Meet us here. Do a quick work. I pray over the next 22 minutes you would speak to us in a crystal clear way. I pray that you'd reaffirm this as your message. You told me today that someone that has a, like a, a bug, like a worm or something in their intestines, you're healing them today. Someone that had some sort of infections from a maggot, some sort of condition, I think it's from overseas, tropical climate, you're healing right now. And there's even someone that's going through the fire and they hate it, but God, you're refining them as gold. God, meet your people here today. Show us that you still heal. Show us you still speak. Show us that you're still great. In Jesus' name we ask, Jesus' name we pray. God's people said a hearty. Amen, amen, amen. I, uh, I spent yesterday morning, it was the third Saturday morning, I, I got to go to my seven-year-old's basketball game. Where's all the sports parents at? Come on, you're in Orange County, all of you. God bless you. They woke me up. at I had to be at the gym at 8.30 in the morning. I felt like that. I should file a complaint somewhere in the city. But uh, my, my seven-year-old just started playing basketball. She's, uh, she's like her mom. She's really tall. My, my, my wife's family's tall. My family's tall. I'm actually one of the shorter people in my family. And so my, my daughters are both tall, like they're just tall girls. And so uh, my seven-year-old plays in a co-ed league. She's never played basketball before other than just kind of hooping with me in the backyard. But I want to just, I want to report for the record because I got to tell the truth up here. She is an athlete. Both of our daughters are athletes. I got to tell the truth. Can I get an amen? She runs faster than the boys. She's taller than the boys. And her first game, she scored eight out of the team's 12 points. Second week, she scored eight points again. This week, I showed up, and usually she has a little boy on her team that's a little uh, amazing athlete, too. He didn't show up. So I looked at Chloe. I was like, Chloe, your legs are going to be sore because you're going to carry this team today. (laughs) All right? There's a little girl that's never played before. There's a little boy that can't hit the rim. This is on you today, babe. And I'm like, we're going to win. Francie, we're winners. Are you guys ready? You ready to win? And so I'm, I'm talking to Chloe. I'm, I'm firing her up. We practiced the night before. And uh, she shows up. I'm not kidding. i, I got to just tell the truth here. You ever seen someone just get in the zone? Yeah. My 7-year-old just started playing basketball. She scored eight points in the first quarter. She had more points than the entire other team. The other team is all boys. My daughter's like a foot taller than them. They're like, how old's your kid? I'm like, 14. Small for age. No, she's actually seven. And she's dominating all these little boys. And I was so proud. I was like, oh, my gosh. She was in the, like, just literally in the zone. Like, she was making shots that I would miss. She's double teamed. The next three quarters, they put, they put two boys to literally stay on her the entire time. No one else could score on her team. She still put up four more points. She scored 12 out of 16 points. I got to tell the truth up here. Come on, I don't brag about my kids very much. She has an incredible game. And literally, they're like, guard that girl, stand that girl, you know, Shaquille Chloe O'Neal, right? Just dominating people. She got two defenders on her. They're on her shoulders, on her legs. She's still scoring over them. She was in the zone. It was like she couldn't miss. I remember talking to my cousin. He went to the great, late Kobe Bryant's last basketball game, April 13th, 2016. He said, Mark, when I heard it was Kobe's last game, I had to go. He said, I thought about selling my tickets 
because I could have made a fortune. But I went. And he said to watch Kobe Bryant in 42 minutes shoot 44%. And at 37 years old in the NBA, which is like being 95 years old. Come on, somebody. 37 in the NBA is old. He put up 60 points. He said, this is my, my, my cousin's a preacher. He goes, Mark, it was like revival. I was hugging strangers, high-fiving people, like just yelling and shouting. Every time he touched the ball, people were jumping. The room was vibrant. It was electric. He's like, it was revival without God. And he was fired up. And I know some of you think, I'm crazy. This doesn't even feel like a holy place to talk about such things. But as I was praying this week, we're in a series called The Drought is, is Ending. And I felt like as I read this passage, God brought it to my mind. And he said, Mark, over the next 40 days, there's going to be such a high frequency of miracles. There is going to be so many people that you thought would never believe, never be saved, never go to church, never read their Bibles, never pray. Are you hearing me? God said that I'm going to do something so dramatic. It's going to be like being at a sporting event that someone could not miss. God is laser focused in this window in bringing in our family, bringing in our friends. This is a miracle season. If you believe it, shout amen. That's all I can think about. I just had this picture of it's like watching an athlete that's fully in the zone. I felt like God has heard the prayers for our kids, for our grandparents, for our nieces, for our nephews, for our business partners. And he said, like Jonah, I'm going to set you up to change a city. Like a, like a city. Like a city's going to change. Like, like a neighborhood's going to change. Like, like that grandpa that was hard and never, never wanted to acknowledge God in any area would begin to weep under the conviction and the love of Jesus Christ. I felt like the Lord says, this is going to be a 40-day window, like Jonah when he preached, that everyone's going to believe. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to just, if I could, get your hopes up to start believing that the next 40 days, people that you thought would never believe, never, ever respond to you. Never ever respect God, people that have been burned by church, chewed out by religion, people that have given up, people that are leading cults, people that are atheist, agnostic, hard-hearted. God says, I'm coming after every one of them, and you watch how I don't miss. I don't miss. My mercy doesn't miss. My grace doesn't miss. And if I can rescue Nineveh, I can rescue Orange County. Can I get an amen? I believe that God would do a work in our days that we would not believe even if he told it to us. He says, watch and be utterly amazed at what I would do. I believe your eyes haven't seen nothing yet. Your ears haven't seen nothing yet. God's ability to restore is better than your ability to destroy. You know why I love Jonah? I love Jonah because I can relate so much with him. This guy is far from perfect. This guy did everything you're not supposed to do. But I love the fact that even as David sang tonight, he said God's undefeatable. Yeah. You know what I learned about God is God's will is undefeatable. Wow. When he makes up his mind to save a city, it's going to be saved. Right. When he makes up his mind to use somebody, he's going to use them. Yeah. And I want you to know right now, this story is so profound. It's so powerful because literally the story of, no, uh, story of Jonah is about God's great grace God's ability to change an entire race and God's ability to equip someone that had no business being a missionary, but you being one of the greatest missionaries of all time. It's a powerful story. He's a least likely candidate. 
Some of you go, Mark, really? Jonah, you believe in, in, a, in a, a well swallowing a man? Scientists have proven that's physically impossible. Yeah, those same scientists will tell you that it's physically impossible for the Red Sea to open up. They'll also tell you it's physically impossible for water to be transformed into wine. They'll also tell you the great people, but they'll also tell you that blind eyes don't open, deaf ears don't open, people with cancer don't get healed. They'll also tell you that re resurrected saviors don't happen either. They'll tell you that saviors don't float into the sky like Chris Angel. They don't do things like that. They don't sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father interceding for humanity. I'll tell you this right now. There's a lot of things that science validates that does not happen normally because miracles are not the rule. They're the exception. And what God does here is he does a miracle. He swallows a man with a fish that he prepared. Here's what most people don't, don't realize. If the story of Jonah was fake, Jesus never would have talked about it. Jesus said in Matthew 12, as Jonah was swallowed in the belly of a well for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be. Jesus validated this is not some fairy tale to put your kids to sleep at night. This is a factual story that God would prepare a fish. Say with me, a fish. He prepared a big fish, a whale. And God prepared it. What do you mean prepared it? What I love about the story is, is I think most people miss this part of the story, is that God used a storm, he used a fish to develop a man to reach a city. A storm, a fish to reach a city. Are you guys with me today? What do I know about storms? There's three types of storms. You can write this down. There are storms that actually have the power to uh, perfect us. There are storms that we go through that protect us. And there are storms that we go through that correct us. Can I get a good amen? Who's ever been through one of these storms before? I don't believe every storm is from God. I don't believe every storm is God trying to correct you. My little Chloe, she slammed her finger in the door. She goes, Daddy, she was, she's in so much pain. Bless her little heart. And she was crying so bad for about an hour and a half. It was like the most pain she's ever been in. And she goes, Daddy, why did Jesus let me slam my finger in the door? She asked this big theological question. And I said, I don't think Jesus made you do that. I think, Chloe, we, we learn from the, from, from the mistakes that we go through in our life. And you know what? Your brain learned from this experience that you'll always pay attention to where that door is at the rest of your life. She said, Daddy, has that ever happened to you? I said, I think it's happened to every human being that's ever lived. I said, the good news is it usually only happens once. Why do we go through storms? Well, we know this about storms. Some storms will perfect you. James said, count all the joy when you fall into various trials. Joe basically, Joe basically said, he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. That's why Job was able to say, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. You know, there's some things in life you don't learn through success. Some things you will never learn through being praised. Listen, if praise would make you godly, Lucifer would have been the most godly angel ever. It was actually praise that was Lucifer's downfall. See, see hum humanity wants to learn from praise, but the truth is most of us learn best from failure or we learn from other people's mistakes. And I want to encourage all of you that are hard-headed and you say, I have to learn from the school of hard knocks. Stop saying such stupid things. Why beat your head on the cement when you can learn from someone else's bleeding head? I want to encourage you today that we can learn from other people's storms. Storms will perfect you. 
Storms, as James says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Some of you have no endurance because you've never weathered a storm well. Jonah never would have been never would have been used by God if he would have cursed God in the storm. The truth is, when the storm came, he knew it was for him. I want to say it's a good thing that God allows us to hit, get storms. You know what's so cool about God? When he has a call on your life, there's things that other people get away with doing that he'll never let you get away with doing. There was these polytheistic mariners that he jumped on their boat. And here's the crazy part. You know what God allowed him to do? God allowed him to buy a boat ticket for the opposite direction. Didn't stop him. He let him board the ship. God did not stop him. He let him leave the port. God did not stop him. He let him go to sleep in the bottom of the ship. And still, God did not stop him. Here's what I know about God. is Sometimes we mistake God's approval for his loving tolerance. You think because you've gone three years doing everything you know you're not supposed to do, that God's in favor of your choices. You're living on mercy right now. But here's the good news. There's such a high call on your life that, listen, when all your other friends are trying to get into these dark practices, and they're trying to get into all these open marriages, and they're trying to get into this godless lifestyle, there is something inside of you that will start to rage like a storm, because what the polytheistic world didn't get convicted by, Jonah did. And here's what's crazy. They knew the storm is raging, but Jonah knew why it was raging. Jonah knew that God loved him so much, so much, The boat was damaged for one man. Cargo was lost for one man. And trauma for an entire boat full of sailors incurred for one man's high call. Some of you are in the midst of a storm right now because you have the wrong person in your life. Some of you are in a storm right now because you're outside of where God called you to be. I dare you to jump into God's water or baptism after this service and you watch how the storm ceases. Feel something here today. Come on, give God a hand clap. Storms perfect us. Storms can protect us. After he fed the multitudes, 15,000, they wanted to forcibly make Jesus the Lord, the, the King, the Savior. And Jesus literally loaded his disciples in the boats. He said, we got to get out of here now. This is not good for us. And God sent him in a boat that got hit by a storm to protect them for what was coming. He'll send a storm to protect you. And I also believe that sometimes we, we get into storms to correct us. I'm not prophesying storms. I'm saying that when we go, not if, when we go through storms, we all do. We live in a fallen world. We have to realize, God, are you perfecting me? Are you protecting me? Or are you correcting me? I'll never forget, I was at a, I was at a big conference as a youth pastor, speaking at some of the, some of the bigger youth, youth ministry conferences in the world. And I remember one time I was there with a bunch of these big, famous preachers. And I know I, 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 know I, I could fit in with these guys. I know I could do some of what they did, and I felt like God brought me to that place. And I'll never forget, we had this powerful service, and afterwards, we went back to the hotel. And I'll never forget this. When I was younger, my older brother said, Mark, you don't want to be a Christian. He said, they cuss like we cuss. They drink like we drink. They tell dirty jokes like we tell dirty jokes. And they get up behind their pulpits on Sundays, and they act like they're better than us. So I, I said, no, maybe some Christians in California, but not in Idaho. The real Christians in Idaho. So I go to Idaho, and it was about 14 years later, I was speaking at one of the biggest conferences with all these big pastors and preachers, worship leaders, some that you would know. And I remember after, after the service was so powerful, we went to the hotel, and they started ordering drinks, 
And they said, Mark, you ordered anything? And for me, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. But a lot of my old life, my grandpa was an alcoholic. Other uncles were alcoholics. So for me, I'm like, I partied plenty before Jesus. I don't need any booze the rest of my life. Plus, I'm cheap. Can I get an amen? Too expensive to be an alcoholic. So I, I'm like, no, I'm good. But I could tell the moment I declined, I was no longer in the club. And what I saw was, is these guys started getting tipsy. One of the guys that was married started flirting with a waitress because he drank too much. And I thought to myself, if your churches saw what you were doing right now in this hotel, they would lose trust in Jesus. And I remember this moment that God, he used this storm to go, Mark, do you want to fit in with these people or do you want to stand out in life? And I felt like the Lord said, I didn't call you to fit in. I called you to stand out. And I do believe that sometimes we go through these moments that you're like, am I going to fit in with everybody at work? Or am I going to be the weird Christian that believes in Jesus and prayer? Listen to me. You'll never change a world that you're the same as. We only impact people that we allow God to make us different from. I'm in the world. I'm not of the world. Can I get a good amen? So he'll perfect you in a storm. He'll protect you in a storm. And like Jonah, he'll correct you in a storm. I think it's interesting that God let him go for a while, but his call was too big to let him keep going. This is, big, this is a big idea. It's wild that he was moving the wrong way. He had the wrong people in his, uh, the, they, they were going the wrong way. And as soon as he got out of the boat, God stopped the storm. Here's what I want to tell you that I love about the story. I never thought about this before. A couple new things I've never thought about before is long before Jonah was defiant, God prepared a fish. He prepared a fish. I don't think the whale grew three days supernaturally. I think about a year or two, five years, ten years before Jonah needed to be swallowed, God already thought about the fish. People say, Mark, why a whale? Well, I think most people miss out on this. Did you know that the Assyrian people that lived in Nineveh, they worshipped Dagon and his female counterpart, which was the fish goddess, Nanshi. Think about this. Your city is in love with worshiping the fish god. And all of a sudden, you see a guy get thrown up out of a fish. How many think you pay attention to that message? Please speak to us, great fish god. And all of a sudden, you see this well cruise by. And it burps up this prophet. He comes out. There's acid on his face. He's just like, I'm alive. He's army crawling on the sand. He's like, I got a message for you people. They're like, we'll listen. This is the way. They're just all in. They're fired up. They're like, dude, what do you got to say? We're all ears. He's like, I hate you people. God's going to judge all of you. You're all going to hell. You're wicked. God's tired of all of you. That was his message. How many grateful God didn't call you that message today? You guys are all doomed. It's over. 40 days, you're gone. Buckle up. It's gone. So he's walking through, and uh, he walks in the first day. Hey, everybody. They're like, that's the guy that came out of the fish. Look, his face is all messed up from the acid. This guy's, this guy's crazy looking. You guys are all dead. You're doomed. God's tired of you. Sick of your wickedness. You're all going to hell. 40 days. It's over. Say goodbye to your loved ones. Ha. Day two, listen, 120,000 people in the city. 
Took him three days to walk through it. He's cursing it the whole time. Cursing everybody the whole time. Laughing at him. Ha! Out of the well. You're dead. You're doomed. <laughs> right? What I love about this, this I, want, I want you to catch this today. What I love about the story is sometimes in the church, we only think our testimony has power when we've matured far enough away from where the pain was. Well, I used to party in high school. I was a sinner 50 years ago, but now I have a testimony to share. I've been set free for 37 years. Never touched anything. for 30, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking bad about long, long-term testimonies. I want to bring your attention that God changed a city through a fresh testimony. This guy's testimony was, I was a defiant, rebellious prophet yesterday. I was in full rebellion to God yesterday. I was in the middle of a whale's belly yesterday. And I cried out for repentance. And now I'm preaching to you a day later the message I said yesterday. If God changed me yesterday, you better grab a hold of it today. Two days ago, I was crying out. God used a rebellious prophet to reach a rebellious people group. God used a lost prophet to reach lost people groups. God allowed a broken man in a well to reach broken people in a city. You see, the truth is God will use storms to develop us, and he'll, he'll use fish to teach us how to pray. And I love the fact that the Bible says the Lord spoke to the fish. It was when God heard his prayer that he told the fish, let him go. I want to tell you how big our God is. He doesn't just speak English and Spanish. He speaks whale. He knows the language of the locust. He speaks to water, H2O. And he says, I want you to turn into blood. I want you to turn into wine. We serve a God that has the power to speak to what things we cannot speak to. And God prepared a fish. Why did he prepare a fish? Because he knew Nineveh would listen to anybody that came out of their God. They would listen to anybody. You know why I think God is raising up powerful marketplace leaders? Because the God of our age is wealth and fame. And if people could actually come out of that well and say, listen, this well of fame and wealth, this isn't it. God will bless this and use this. But listen to me, money and platforms can express meaning but never give you meaning. The only thing that satisfies the human soul is living for the message that God gave you to tell to your city. I wish you'd help me preach today a little bit in here. You know why some of you are empty? It's not because you don't have great things. It's because you don't have a message from God to give to your city. Your city might be four people that live in your house. They might have your last name. Some of you, your city is your block. It's your coworkers. It's your locker room. It's your classmates. Everyone has a city that God loves. And some of you are empty because you do not know God's message to those people. Jonah had a message for the city. And they listened to him because they came, he came out of their well. And I think the reason why God's raising up marketplace leaders in this hour, because this society thinks that fame, fortune, and power is what makes you happy. And I think that God's going to bring people out of those wells and say, dude, I was a rich millionaire. I was a billionaire. I still am. Whatever. You're still wealthy. But I realize that this doesn't satisfy. Emily Ford got up and she said, man, I made all this money, had all this success. And literally, I was emptier than empty could be. And it wasn't until I found Jesus. She said this at a 
business conference. People are there, all religious backgrounds. And I'm telling you, the more audacious the devil is with putting wickedness in front of us, I think men and women of God have to be intentional with saying, look, I am what I am by the grace of Jesus Christ. You take it or leave it. The fruit speaks for itself. I believe that's why God is raising up these great men, these great women of God, the Rebecca's of the world, the Brett Thomas's of the world. Are you hearing me right now? He's raising up people that came out of the fish and said, look, the fish isn't where it's at. You know what your God worships? My God. You know what your well worships? My well. Yahweh. He's the God of the ocean. He's the God of the land. You worship one part of what God created. And I think there's power in that today. Can I get a good amen? amen? So important here. God used a well to reach a people group that worshiped wells. The preacher declaring repentance just repented the other day from the inside of that well. And this is so important today. God sends a sinner to reach a sinful city. He sends rebellious person to reach rebellious people. Do you know that Babylon was started at the Tower of Babel by a guy named Nimrod that was basically arrogant, defiant towards God? But here's what I know, is that God used a fresh testimony to reach a city. I heard this last service. He said, Mark, there's people in here that, right, if we're being honest, you were high last night. Some of you were doing crazy things this morning before church. Some of you were in such a dire, desperate place. You're going to have a fresh testimony this week. It's going to be so fresh. I thought about taking my life this week, but I ended up showing up to church and God flipped the script. I literally was deathly suicidal yesterday, but now I am so high on the Spirit of God. All I want to do is live and tell people that they can live too. It's a fresh testimony. Sometimes we wait 10 years to tell our story. I'm looking for a fresh testimony. I think sometimes we're waiting for the miracle to happen before we tell someone that what God is capable of doing. God's looking for a fresh testimony. And when we have a testimony, we reach a city. He says, arise and go to this great city of Nineveh, and the keys can come up here. I'm almost finished. And preach the message that I tell you. You write this down today. I believe there is a city, and that city could be one person. It could be three million people. But I believe every one of you, listen to me very clearly, God did not make you to not impact somebody else. One of the main reasons you're still alive is not just to know Jesus, is to make an impact on someone that doesn't. Do you know there's only two things you can't do in eternity? You can't sin, and you can't tell people about Jesus that do not already know him. Why do you think you're sucking oxygen? I think it's for the latter. Can I get an amen? See, the truth is, he said, I want you to tell them the message that I, I've told you. I believe that storms define us in our character. One scholar said it this way, God chooses what we go through, we choose how we go through it. Storms develop our faith. Some of you need revival endurance. Because what God is getting ready to do in the next year, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a tidal wave. I actually believe the days will come. I think one of the greatest moves of God the earth has ever seen is going to happen over the next 18 to 24 months. I believe something's, we're going to light a match on May 28th, and I believe there's a fire that's going to sweep the nation. I believe Time Magazine is not done reporting about Jesus' revolutions. You hearing me today? God is going to do a work in our day that we would not believe, even if it were told to us. I don't care what's happening in China. I don't care what's happening in politics, in the White House. I know who's on the throne. 
And as long as he's on the throne, God can do anything in the earth. Too many people are reading the headlines of fear, and they do not have the headlines of faith. God will revive. What flipped the switch? The people responded better than Jonah did. It's kind of funny. It's like the whole, whole book of Jonah. Pagans always make Jonah look bad. It was the godless poly, polytheistic sailors that said we should call on God, and Jonah wasn't. It was the people of Nineveh that said, let's fast and pray, and Jonah didn't even give them that option. You know what I love about the king of Nineveh? He had never heard a story of God saving a city before. I want you to think about this. Scholars say that Jonah is the oldest book in the Bible. As they say, old book. And, uh, or Job was, I'm sorry, Job is the oldest book. Jonah's the old book, though, too. Can I get an amen? Sorry, brain locked up there. It's an old book. This is what they did say. Scholars said that this book is old, and before the story of Jonah, there was never a there was never an instance that God declared wrath on a city, and He relented from sparing the entire city. So He had. Let me say this. He had no precedent. It wasn't like well, that one time they cried out and He saved everybody. This guy literally, this king goes, perhaps if we just cry out to God, maybe He'll turn and change his mind about us. I think if California made up its mind to turn back to God, I believe that we could create a window of grace. You know what revival is? It's a window of grace. It's like God goes, I'm going to judge. This, this has gotten out of control. I've seen all the billions of people that have been murdered and killed and the millions that have been aborted, all the things that honestly hurt the heart of God. But there's something about a praying church there's something about the Jonas of the city that declare that God, God, he hears and he opens up windows. It says for 40 days. How many days? 40 days, everyone believed. Everyone prayed. Everyone fasted. Everyone went after God. Do you know why our conference was so powerful two weeks ago? Because most of our church, I wouldn't even say everyone, I would say most of our church was fasting and praying. People were getting healed, marriage getting restored, business were being blessed. God was moving. But what would happen if the people of God in this church said, we're going to believe the next 40 days as we cry out for our moms, our dads, our wayward children, our wayward grandchildren, that grandpa that's never had an encounter with God. What would happen if we said the next 40 days, Lord, we believe everyone that we pray for, you're going to chase them down. You don't miss. You hear me today? God will leverage the storm. God will leverage the fish to reach your cities, to reach your family members. But here's the last thing I would share with you. I think the one thing that Jonah, God was trying to show him at the end of his life, the last chapter, it was all about his revelation of who God, who Yahweh is as Lord. Sadly, Jonah's problem is our problem today. We have people that believe in God, they love Jesus, but they've never made him the Lord of their life. I would say the greatest sickness in the North American church is not belief that Jesus is real. Demons believe that he's real. It's the willingness to fully surrender every area of your life to his lordship. Some of you give him your Sunday mornings, but that's all you give him. Some of you give him one day a week, two days a week. Some of you talk to him once a week. Some of you have given him your... Some of you, you're giving them your marriage, and your marriage is blessed. 
Some of you made God Lord over your children and your children are blessed. Some of you made Jesus Lord over your business and your business is blessed. But I'll be honest, some of you, you haven't made God Lord over all the areas of your life. Jesus said it best in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He says, I'll liken you. You know, you know what a person that listens to me and does it is like? It's like a person that built his house on the rock. And when 2020 hits and COVID Armageddon begins and everybody's losing their minds, <clears throat> everybody's freaking out, you're going to be like a house founded on a rock. You're not going to topple over. Your church isn't going to fall apart. It's going to be in revival mode. That's what's going to be like. Hear these sayings of mine and do them. You're wise man. But if you hear me and say, you're my Lord, but you don't do what I say, you're like a foolish man that built his house on the rock. And the moment popular opinion says, you can't talk about homosexuality issues. You can't talk about things that aren't politically correct. We'll shut your church down. We'll cancel you. The moment you start worshiping culture's trends, you're like those that built your house on the sand. And I'll just tell you right now, we're not going to get sucked into the currents of what popular society says we have to do. I know it solves race issues, Jesus. I know it solves sin issues, Jesus. You know why? Because the problem of humanity, the heart of the problem, is the problem of the human heart. And the only one that, that heals the human heart. No, one time I was on a thread on Instagram, and I told people they should vote like me, and I talked them into it. Said no one ever. You've never told someone to think your way. You know who changes hearts? Jesus. Do you know who gives sensitivity to the areas you go numb in? Jesus. Jonah said, I don't want to give those people a message from God that's good. You know what I know? You know he's Lord when you learn how to love people you normally don't have a heart for. Some of you don't love people that don't vote like you. And Jesus isn't Lord in your life yet. Because he'll give you love for the other side. He'll give you a love for all people, all tribes, all nations. I'm telling you, that's why I love heaven, man. Heaven's going to be the most diverse place you've ever been. Every tribe, every nation. Are, are you hearing me right now? Assyrians, Persians, yeah, Americans, Africans. Are you hearing me right now? All tribes, all nations. Republicans and Democrats. Libertarians. Yes, we're all coming. Who, who experiences it? Those that surrender to Jesus as Lord. I would tell, I'm going to tell you something that most preachers won't tell you. I believe that Christianity starts with belief, but it doesn't stop with belief. If you want to be my disciples, that's what he says. You want to be my disciples? Follow me. To follow Jesus is to leave who you used to be. The problem with some of the churches in California today, I'll be honest, is they say, accept Jesus and stay as you are. I don't believe that. I think you can come as you are, but I believe that if you really encounter him, you won't stay as you are. No one told me the rules, but Jesus changed my heart. Can I be really honest as I close the service up? No one told me that pornography was bad. No one told me that. But after I had my encounter with Jesus in McCall, Idaho in 2001, I came back and I just knew it was wrong. I started throwing all of it away. I shared the story before. I went, got all my bad stuff, all my pornography material. I walked downstairs into our fireplace. I think it was not even like a wood-burning fireplace. God bless it. 
and my grandpa Paps, this Marine, is sitting in the lounge chair downstairs, his tattoos on his arms, like smoking 14 packs of cigarettes a day. And he watches me light all these Playboys and all this stuff on fire in the fireplace. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, Paps, I had an encounter with Jesus. I'm not into this anymore. He's like, did someone tell you you can't look at that? I said, no, just God. You know, when God gets a hold of your heart, he'll change your desires. Some of you never change your desires because you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've experienced religion. You just never experienced the Holy Spirit. But I feel him in here right now. And here's what I want to tell you today. He wants to just be more than your buddy that gets you to heaven. He wants to be the one that helps you make decisions. What you do with your business, what you do with your marriage. And there's how you know if, if Jesus is Lord or not. When was the last time he told you not to say something and you listened? When was the last time he told you to speak up and you spoke up? When was the last time he told you to give something that you didn't want to give and you gave it anyways? Here's the great question. When was the last time you disagreed with God and he won? If you answer no to these questions, I would like to inform you. You might love God, you might believe in God, but he's not the Lord of your life. I don't believe in tithing. Well, that's fine. Jesus does. And if you can't trust him with your money, he's not going to bless that area of your life. Well, I don't believe in going to small groups. Well, Jesus does. He had 12 in his small group. I don't believe in the church. Well, they met church to church. They met house to house. It's both. It's not one or the other. Well, I don't believe. I don't believe. Listen, if he's into it, we're into it. Period. Well, I don't believe there is a right, there is a wrong. Well, we do. I don't know there's such thing as a truth, absolute truth. There is. Just like there's absolute mathematics. Architects don't say, I feel like two plus two equals six. They don't do that. You know why? Because no one would ever drive over their bridges. But we're trying to develop a social construct that there's no right and there's no wrong. There is. There's light, there's darkness. There's angels, there's demons. There's heaven, there's hell. There's good, there's bad. Are you hearing me today? And the fact that I have to say it and some of you are nervous shows you how lost our city is. There is a God in heaven. He sits on the throne. And if we're going to be on anybody's side, we're going to be on his. Amen. And he's going to bless it. He's going to revive it. We're going to weather storms. We're going to pray in our fish. And we're going to reach our cities in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. Stand to your feet. I feel something in here. There is a window of grace coming over California, coming over Orange County. I saw some of you getting text messages today from family members you haven't talked to in a decade. God is going before you. He's prepared a fish to take care of some of your family members. He's going to bring them back to the dry land. Some of your friends are lost at sea, and God's going to bring them back. Some of your coworkers, you thought, I would never see this guy. I don't know if Mike is in this service. Maybe it's your last service. But I believe Mike and, and Shauna Pree, your, your business partner, is going to have an encounter with God. I just feel like... God is going to visit. There's, there's some high-powered Jewish men and Jewish women. Some of you are married to them, and they, they don't come to this church, but God told me he's going to visit them. I'm telling you, we've seen so many people. God loves the, the Jewish nation, and I see God visiting them. There's people in Hollywood, even this week, that God is going to heal. There's someone really high-powered in Hollywood. God's going to heal their kid, and it's going to create a, a, a ripple effect. Someone in this church is connected to making that miracle happen. 
I believe that God is starting right now from Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, all the way down to San Diego, all the way down to the border of Mexico. There is this, this like move of God's spirit. There's gonna be a 40 day window. I just see everyone that we call on, everyone that we pray for. I believe it's 40 days of everyone encountering God. Who believes that God could do that? So do me a favor right now. We're gonna stretch forth our hands to the north. Stretch forth this way to the north. And we declare this prophetically over our region. We say, Lord Jesus, we prophesy 40 days that you would save the unreachable. You would heal the incurable. You would deliver the undeliverable. Start it here. Start it now. Do it to the north. Do it to the east. Stretch for the east. Do it to the east. Come on, do it to the south. Do it to the west. We prophesy 40 days. Everyone we pray for, everyone we believe for, you're chasing them down. Come on, prophesy goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You believe that? Give him 10 seconds of hand clap today. You believe. Grandma's coming home. Grandpa's coming home. Becky's coming back. Come on. Susie's coming back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Violet, she's coming back. Yeah. Bring her in. Bring her in. Bring her in. Jesus' name. And we wrap this up this morning. I'm out of time. We wrap it up like this today. You feel like God is preparing you to reach the city. Could be two people in your house. Could be 10,000 people in your company. You say, Mark, I would be like to use, like Jonah, I wanna, I wanna respond properly in the storms of life. I wanna learn how to pray to God in those fish seasons. And I would love it if God would give me a message for the city that would lead all of them back to Jesus, all of them back to Yahweh. God, if you could use Jonah, would you use me? I would love it all over the room today. You say, Mark, would you pray for me that God would use me to impact people groups? Some of you are gonna reach the media empires of the world. Some of you are gonna start being used in the hip hop industry. God's giving you favor there. I see some of you, man, with country music. Some of you, it's, it's like the corporate America, CEOs, executives, there's entrepreneurs that are gonna start reaching new, new pockets. I just, I see new pockets of influence that God's opening up. New worlds, new worlds are opening right now. New worlds. That's you today, you say, Mark, I want to be used by God. Would you just raise your hands all over today? Pray this prayer. We're going to pray three prayers. We'll be done. Say, Jesus, today, I ask you, lead me out of this storm. Lead me out of this fish. And give me a message. Hope, life, love for the city you've called me to. You love these people, so love them through my life. Love them through my business. Love them through my family. In Jesus' name. Now watch this. Last two things we do today. You're like Jonah. You've been running from God. And God, his love is, your heart's beating out of your chest right now. You know this whole service, you're like, man, it's crazy that you said Jonah. I, some of you identify with Jonah because you've been going the opposite direction of God. And today God, he sent a whale, sent a message like this to get a hold of your heart. If you've been running from God and you feel like God is going to bring you back, and his voice is going to come to you a second time. 
He has a great plan for your life. You need to get right with Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. Some of you, you've never known God your whole life. And today you're going to give Jesus your heart. He's going to delight in you. You're going to know him. And God's going to do something powerful through your life. If you want to give your heart to Jesus and turn away from your darkness and turn towards his marvelous, awesome love and light, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands all over the room. Whether you're rededicating your life or for the very first time you're putting your faith in Jesus, would you raise your hands all over? I'm not going to embarrass you. You start raising your hands. I'll give you three seconds. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. That's me. One. Many hands going up today. I'm coming home. Two. I want Jesus to lead my life Three, real high, real high, real high, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. I see four, five, real high, six, seven, real high, real high, eight, real high, real high. Anybody else? It's 14, last service, at least eight. You're watching online, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T, in the comment section, and we're going to count you as well. Whether you're online or you're in the room today, would you pray this prayer with those 16 plus people? Say, Jesus, I ask you today to turn me towards you. Would you fill fill me with your beautiful Holy Spirit? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you turn me away from wickedness and darkness and lead me into your marvelous light? I invite you, Lord Jesus, to be my God, my Savior, my CEO, my Lord. So from here out, speak to me, guide me, direct me, disciple me. In Jesus' name. We're going to clap for you, but before we do, before we do, if you raised your hand today, I want to encourage three things. If you don't have a church, Christians love churches like bakers love ovens. Can I get an amen? Christians love their Bible. Being a Christian without a Bible is like trying to be a snowboarder without a snowboard. It's it's tough. And finally, real Christians, real disciples, they have friends that know Jesus better than they do. And they let those friends call them higher. We have too many people empowering people to live low. God didn't save us to be low lives. He saved us with a high call. And so get around some people that love Jesus more than you do. You want to get good at snowboarding? You ride with people that are better than you. You want to get good at business? You get, you get around people that think bigger than you do. And if you want to grow in your walk with God, you got to stop hanging out with your lost friends all the time and start hanging out with people that are going to bring you higher. Does that make sense? When you get strong, you'll go back to those people. But I'm telling you, there's a season that God will separate you so you don't slip up again. Amen? So that's you today. We have growth tracks you can sign up for. We have water baptisms right now. If you've never been water baptized, I'd encourage you to do it today. Amen.